0: 144 episodes turns out to be quite a lot, 650 pages written in Calibri font size 11. I'm in the process of going through it all and cataloging the topics covered so that I might group them into chapters or lectures. I'm thinking about putting together a kind of online course on the subject of consciousness, and I've covered uh, across this podcast much of the essential ground for that project. While I'm working on that, I hope you'll not begrudge the fact that these episodes come out a little less frequently than before. Today's episode is of the speculative kind. Believe it or not, I was not high on drugs when I wrote it, though it is of a nature that suits a nice cannabis session. These episodes are kind of fun to do because I allow myself to break free from what I actually believe and become open to contemplating what is, at least in principle, possibly true. I'm acting less as a scientist and more as a mystic, or a basement philosopher. Hell, maybe that's what I am. If we look closely at the material world using the most modern tools, we encounter non-intuitive and strange observations. Quantum physics shakes up the natural world such that the hard problem of consciousness takes on a different hue. In a Newtonian, or even Einsteinian, universe, consciousness stands out as irreconcilable, A materialist universe consisting of laws, directing matter and energy and motion, seems to be comprehensively describable in objective terms. In that context, the existence of subjective phenomenology presents a problem. Essentially, consciousness is not supposed to exist. The world makes perfect sense without it. Consciousness must be some epiphenomenal little eccentricity, a footnote in the physical account, or as Dan Dennett has tried, it must be reduced out of existence. But now, in a world best described in quantum terms, whether we like it that way or not, even the physical world of matter and energy and motion is imbued with new mystery. Perhaps when the dust settles and the scientific community has coalesced around a new, unified theory, even consciousness will be part of the description. It's like we had a puzzle of a thousand parts all fit together with just a few jigsaw pieces left over at the end. This little remainder will not quite fit, but the whole thing is so close to coming together that it was better to keep the incomplete puzzle than to take the whole picture apart and start over. This is especially true because the picture we had constructed had all kinds of pragmatic utility. It was good enough to produce nuclear energy, and space shuttles, and personal computers. Is it really necessary to get all the pieces in place, given the success we've had? Doggedly, the scientific process carries forward and the old picture is demonstrably incomplete. Quantum physics has taught us a new way that puzzle pieces might be connected, so we can at least hope, once again, when we put the thing back together, the remaining bits can be part of the solution. I once did an episode called The Persistence of Being, in which I pondered the possibility that this day, this sequence of experience now, is my whole existence that I have neither been before nor will I be in the future. Since that was like 90 episodes ago, I'll quote myself from that episode. I said, quote, is consciousness persistent over a lifetime? Maybe it's not. I've alluded to this concern in previous episodes, but I'd finally like to give this possibility some thought. If it seems obvious to you that your mind has amounted to one And the same being, every day going back to childhood, let's consider a thought experiment to locate a weak point in your conviction. Obviously, you have changed across your lifetime. Just as your body has grown and matured and gained experience, for better or worse, you nevertheless feel like the same person. You are one being that has more memories and knowledge and everything else. Here's the thought experiment. Suppose we could make an exact duplicate of you. You go under anesthesia. They wheel you on a gurney into an operating room. Now you wake up out of your deep unconsciousness and there are two of you. You one and you two, it says on the placard next to you and the other guy. You are certain that you are the original. You remember everything that went down prior to the procedure and here you are, every bit as you as you have ever been. You are you one and the other is you two. Which is the original? After all, the other guy is every bit as certain that he is the original. This is the same problem as the old teleporter trick. If you are sending if all you're sending to the new destination is instructions for my recreation, how do I know that I will be the one who appears on the other side? This thought experiment, if its implications are correct, suggests that we might not persist across the human lifetime after all maybe each time this human wakes up, it conjures a new consciousness. That conscious being would have all the memories and context that the previous one had. It would not know that it was an imposter. Even Descartes wouldn't go so far as to claim, I thought, therefore I was. He made his edict in the present tense and only for the present moment. The past and the future would have been subject to doubt." In that sequence, I pondered the possibility that every time the brain awakens into a new state of consciousness, a new being takes form until the brain switches back to a non-conscious state. In a way, this is unfalsifiable nonsense. But on the other hand, the belief that I am a continuous mental being, the mind in occupation of a particular brain for its whole career, is equally unfalsifiable. Let's call the musings I made that day the Brief Mortality Hypothesis. In that paradigm, we conscious beings are much shorter-lived than biological animals. It was bad enough that we were mere mortals to our understanding before, but now it is much worse. Today is our last day. Contrast the brief mortality hypothesis with this, the self-reincarnation hypothesis. You've heard of reincarnation. It takes a religious metaphysics to imagine something like a soul, which is our true identity, moving on from one life into another, now a man next a cockroach or a vampire bat, or perhaps in the more usual version, one man now and another man next. Typically, the last lifetime was one of great fame and importance, the self-serving metaphysical fantasy of a narcissist. But consistent with what we know in physics is another kind of continuity or immortality. The idea hinges upon the debate between presentism and eternalism. Let's start by taking a look at the idea of space-time given to us by Albert Einstein. Einstein wrote the following in Relativity, Space is a three-dimensional continuum. By this we mean that it is possible to describe the position of a point at rest by means of three numbers, coordinates, x, y, z, and that there is an indefinite amount of points in the neighborhood of this one, the position of which can be described by coordinates like x1, y1, z1, which may be as near as we choose to the respective values of coordinates x, y, z of the first point. In virtue of the latter property, we speak of a continuum, and owing to the fact that there are three coordinates, we speak of it as being three-dimensional. Similarly, the world of physical phenomena, which was briefly called world by Minkowski, is naturally four-dimensional in the space-time sense, for it is composed of individual events, each of which is described by four numbers, namely three space coordinates x, y, z, and a time coordinate, the time value t the world is, in this sense, also a continuum. For to every event there are as many neighboring events as we care to choose, the coordinates x1, y1, z1, t1, of which differ by an indefinitely small amount from those of the event x, y, z, t originally considered. That we have not been accustomed to regard the world in this sense as a four-dimensional continuum is due to the fact that in physics before the advent of the theory of relativity, time played a different and more independent role. Unquote. So once we get to Einstein, we have come to understand time is a fourth dimension. Is this dimension to be disfavored when compared to the other three? In dimensions X, Y, and Z, the whole universe is understood intuitively to persist. It is the objects in space which might change positions, not the spatial continua themselves. If time is simply another dimension like those, another persistent continuum, then all times coexist. This idea is called eternalism. To explain, I'll take a bit from Dean Buonamano's book, Your Brain is a Time Machine. Buonamano writes, quote, Presentism, as the name hints, states that only the present is real. Under presentism, the past is a configuration of the universe that once existed, and the future refers to some yet-to-be-determined configuration. Eternalism, in sharp contrast, states that the past and the future are as equally real as the present, There is absolutely nothing particularly special about the present. Under eternalism, now is to time as here is to space. Even though you currently find yourself to be in one point in space, you know that there are many other points in space, different rooms, cities, planets, and galaxies that are all equally valid places to be in. Similarly, even though you perceive yourself to be in a point in time you call now, there are past and future moments in time in which other beings and younger and older yous find themselves. Presentism certainly conforms to our intuition that as each instant of our lives transforms into a past moment, it is gone. Whether or not that moment leaves an imprint in our memory, the moment itself ceases to exist. Presentism also corroborates our feelings of control, that our decisions and actions shape an open future. Neuroscientists rarely have to grapple with the issue of presentism versus eternalism, but in practice, neuroscientists are implicitly presentists. They view the past, present, and future as fundamentally distinct, as the brain makes decisions in the present, based on memories of the past, to enhance our well-being in the future. But despite its intuitive appeal, presentism is the underdog theory in physics and philosophy." All right, so what does it mean for us conscious beings if the universe really is eternalist? If the present time from my point of view or yours, is just a location in a four-dimensional space-time. Well that would imply that we are immortal. Not immortal in the sense that we exist at all times, past a certain starting point. That's the presentist conception of immortality. Rather, the eternalist conception would have us existing across a certain span of the temporal dimension. Since all time exists, and since we exist somewhere within the set of all time, we must therefore exist. Since such a universe is eternal, so are we, trapped in time like a bug in amber. What should we expect this to mean for us? It is evident that we are continuous beings moving through time in a forward direction. We in the world we occupy are in motion. We are on a path, along with our planet and our sun and our galaxy, from lower to higher entropy. So what happens when we shuffle off this mortal coil? What happens after the last episode of consciousness? Might we just return again to our subjective beginning? Might we live this lifetime again and again like the rerun of a sitcom? This is what I am calling the self-reincarnation hypothesis. In a sense, the conscious mind is reincarnated every time the brain makes a state change from deep sleep. This is important because it means that consciousness is not a substance. It is a property or a field. It takes physical form, but not material form. Maybe a future unified theory will rescue the present from this conundrum. But if not, then the question of mortality is simply a matter of how much space and time we occupy. We exist forever in that space and time. Let's take a brief glimpse at a quantum view of space and time. We will see, I think, that quantum physics will not, after all, save the present moment. This is a passage by Carlo Rovelli in his book, The Order of Time. Quote, there is no single time. There is a different duration for every trajectory, and time passes at different rhythms according to place and according to speed. It is not directional. The differences between past and future does not exist in the elementary equations of the world. Its orientation is merely a contingent aspect that appears when we look at things and neglect the details. In this blurred view, the past of the universe was in a curiously particular state. The notion of the present does not work. In the vast universe, there is nothing that we can reasonably call present. The substratum that determines the duration of time is not an independent entity, different from the others that make up the world. It is an aspect of a dynamic field. It jumps, fluctuates, materializes only by interacting, and is not to be found beneath a minimum scale, Holy shit. How can it be that in the objective sense there is no present moment, when in the subjective sense there is nothing else? If the world as described in physics is indeed the world we live in, then how can we possibly be here? How am I speaking these words now? Is this conception, that afforded by quantum theory, constructing a solution to the puzzle that still leaves consciousness out? Maybe so. As for the self-reincarnation hypothesis, we can't yet rule it out. What if, for example, this is my only day on earth and I keep repeating it like Groundhog Day? I mean, why not? Or if I exist for the lifetime of this animal's working brain, why not experience the whole thing over again? If there is no present and the past is no more out of reach than the future, then I occupy a certain duration and trajectory, just like Ravelli said, you have yours and I have mine, eternally. Maybe the present is materializing for us when we experience it. Something becomes superimposed and determinate. It occurs like a storm through a whole four-dimensional substrate. Zap. In that place and time, the superposition manifests, and there, a present moment takes hold. Conscious beings behold it, like a scene in a movie disconnected from all the rest. Zap. This scene unfolds, and just as quickly it disappears. We are not living our lives through linear time, but zapping in and out of existence with the stochasticity of the universal storm. Here I am a boy of six, snapping Legos together, zap. Here I am an old man pouring a cup of coffee, zap. Here I am tapping out an inane theory on a laptop keyboard, and in between, an indefinite emptiness. The picture is edited together, all out of order, like a Tarantino film. We might call this the out-of-order hypothesis. Remember Clive Waring, the amnesiac who would write in his journal, 10.49 a.m. I am totally awake, first time. 11.05 a.m. I am perfectly awake, first time. Maybe when the brain's memory system is broken down, the illusion of continuity is dispelled. Maybe Clive Waring is experiencing how it really is. I suppose... Given all the alternatives presented today, the self-reincarnation hypothesis is preferable. It would be nice to know that in fact we are living a coherent subjective life from birth until death. After all, this is the way it seems to us. Would I wish to keep repeating it, though? I guess I would. I'm not in each retelling of the tale becoming bored with its redundancy. From my situation in space and time, all the future is a novelty. The novelty promises to be reborn with each retelling.